Welcome to the Behavior Speak podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman. Welcome to another episode of the Behavior Speak podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. Today in the podcast, we have Jerron Trotman. Welcome to the show, Jerron. Thank you for having me, Ben. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Me too. All right. Before we get started, uh, I just want to uh, acknowledge that I'm hosting this podcast on the territories of the Tlaman, Colmox, Clayhus, and Homoko First Nations, who were one one community before we colonizer settlers came in and separated them into reserves. Um, and I am currently on the island of Sayayin in the village of Isam. Um, and yeah, just grateful to be here. So this could be a cool one. Um, I've been doing, um, and we're kind of on the heels. It's it, as, as, as the date of the recording dates, March 16th, 2020. So just, a uh, a couple weeks after, um, uh, black history, black features month, um, where, um, I, I I am humbly grateful for the sort of uh, response I got to a, a little promo I did and sharing um, um, a bunch of episodes of uh, of my black guests the the black guests that were on my podcast uh, 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 for free with folks and of course they're on this one will join those ranks next February um, and um, but. Uh, through that process and through kind of connecting with folks, I've been learning a lot about Baba and, and, um, and uh, you know, it's funny. I, I used Baba as a reference with someone the other day and they didn't know what I was talking about. So for the folks that maybe not don't, don't know what I'm talking about, we're not talking about black sheep or have you any wool or anything like that. We're talking about <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the black, Asso- the black association for behavior analysts, which is a mm-hmm. uh, wonderful organization um that's doing just some really 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 amazing things and and they've got a conference coming up uh in june in detroit and i highly recommend getting there uh, i'm not sure when this episode will come out but i know uh it's it, i know they've started to sort of sell tickets and and events are already getting sold out i've been told the vip um uh, tickets are already sold out and now it's mm-hmm. uh, looking at events and they're doing like a cool like kind of boat tour thing and uh yes and, yeah. and, and a bunch of really just really really neat events that I, you're just not going to find another kind of conference and so it's it's my goal to get to this one um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying this out loud on a recording so this better happen um, yes uh, but uh, yeah <laughs> it, it's big but something the reason i i i, I reached out to Jerron was because uh, i saw a post on instagram um for something called uh the bmba and i was like well, what's that about you know and mm-hmm. uh and uh and it's for black men in, in behavior analysis and i won't lie when i first saw that name i had some mixed thoughts i had some i had some feelings i had a lot of biases come forward when i heard that mm-hmm. name and we're gonna kind of dive into some of that soon enough but uh black mm-hmm. men in behavior analysis is um i think the first uh, special interest group from Adababa and um, yes. and uh, Jerron's the founder. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into you know uh, the BMBA and kind of what it's all about and where it came from and uh, 
and and uh, try to unpack some of these biases because I'm 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 sure I'm not the only one that's ha that has these, um, uh, and uh, and sort of figure out you know why such a group is even needed because um, uh, mm -hmm. I know certainly there's some folks that are probably you know looking at things from my perspective and going hmm um and uh <laughs> yeah. and uh since i've and since i've kind of met Jeron and and also started kind of doing some of my own research um i'm like this is a must need group and i'm, I'm really glad uh, glad he created it before we get to that maybe Jeron, you can just uh, give me a little bit about kind of kind of your journey in behavior analysis and kind of how you got to where you are now absolutely um for starters i really appreciate you having me on here today ben and um you know, everything that you are offering um, past month uh, is definitely needed and much appreciated. Um, so thank you for all the work that you're doing and um, being allies. So really appreciate you. Um, my history into ABA. Um, so for those who don't know, um, I was a Division One college basketball player. Um, I played for University of New Hampshire, and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I had my degree, so my undergrad degree, um, and, you know, didn't know quite what I wanted to do. And my head coach's wife, um, uh, she knew I was the captain of the team. I knew I was like leadership. She knew I was interested in behavior, ironically, and she'd see me working with different, um, camps that we did different uh, basketball camps. And she was recommended that I go check out this school, the school for, and it was an ABA school. She was like, Hey, I just think you'd be interested in doing it. So, um, I was like, never heard of this. So I went to check out this school um, and I was blown away. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. um, it was a school for individuals with autism and they, it was just ABA based. Um, and so they never had an intern there. Um, this is all the way in New Hampshire. <laughs> um, so they, as you know, Ben, it's all about who you know. And the recommendation was made, a letter was made and I, I became an intern there. And I was I shadowed about five BCBAs, uh, did about a 200 plus hour internship and started watching these ABA modules. Hmm. And I was I was blown away and I was I was amazed to learn that, you know, behavior could be observed and, and measured and analyzed and um, it could be changed systematically. Not only that, that people's lives could be improved just by changing simple contingencies of reinforcement or just the environment, if you will. Hmm. Um, so that's what really got me into the field of ABA. Um, from then, I went on to grad school. Um, and as I was in grad school, I I worked as a, a clinical instructor, which um, is, is like the RBT credential now. I think the RBT credential came out in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I started to do that. And then I um, became a BCBA. The funny thing about our, our field is um, I would say the majority of people you ask um, you know, how they get into the field, you know, all of us came in so differently. Like none of us mm -hmm. grew up from age five, like the doctors and the lawyers saying, Hey, I want to be a BCBA. Right. And I think it's the, it's the, it's the most beautiful thing, but craziest thing is like we mm -hmm. all kind of fall in in these stories. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this more later. I'm looking to change that. I'm looking mm -hmm. to change that because I want people to see us and emulate us and do all those things. But as it is now, none of us really had that. So that was really my, my journey. Um, and so I have, you know, many interests now that I've been ABA. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in teaching and instruction and, and, and functional assessment and treatment of severe problem behaviors. And I love behavior analytic consultation of schools. Um, and I'm also just starting to slowly get into um, coaching and 
mentoring and health and fitness. Mm, and I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, it's it's a huge yeah yeah because I have my backgrounds in it. Um, so and and lastly, I've been just starting about a year ago doing some some dog training for for those of you who don't know our science is applied to that. If any of you guys know the book "Don't Shoot the Dog" by Karen Pryor or. Uh, what Shamu taught me about life, love, and marriage by Amy Sutherland. Those are all really good books. The reason why I'm bringing all this up and all these different interests that I have is because mm. it's a science of human behavior, right? And it is literally human behavior, and we have a technology to to change and improve lives. So um, that's really my journey into the field. I moved to Atlanta um, in 2016, um, and I've been there. I've been here ever since. Right on. That's 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 that sounds like a whirlwind story. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm curious, sort of, where did you have like any exposure at all, sort of to autism or whatnot before that? Like, what sort of led uh, led led sort of uh, this uh, this coach's wife to sort of say, "Hey, ABA for Gerard." You know that is the, that is a really good question. I had. I mean, I had been so I I did do some volunteer or I did do some volunteer work um, back in high school, right? Um, where I would go into special ed classrooms, um, mm. and I worked with certain, uh, not all autism, but you know, individual with intellectual development disabilities. But this was a short span. I didn't know much about the population um, before I really went to that school, so I didn't know mm. much too much about it. You know, just certain. Um, you know, certain numbers and, you know, certain people may have special needs and things of that nature, but did not know a lot at all, which I'm, I'm sure many people can relate to that um, in our field. So it's really there where I started to, to and in, in grad school, I learned a lot as well. But it's at that internship, where I was, was really exposed to, you know, these individuals having um, severe, cha- um, 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 uh, needed severe, uh, challenging behavior, but they need lots of support. They need lots of support. And I, um, I've never been exposed or been around this, so it was very novel for me. Right on, right on. And um, was you said this was the first time this 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 place ever did you know an internship? I'm I'm curious, sort of. Um, I mean, I think I think something we we know certainly, you know, for for for. Black people in particular, but just generally anyone who's kind of from a maybe a marginalized group, getting opportunities is not not as easy. You know, um, um, there's there's a lot of barriers. And I think this, you know, and this is a, a big reason for sort of, I think, you know, why you've started the BMBA and and mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, why organizations like Baba exist. And and, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it, you know, there's certainly some, you know, some of the more obvious, um, you know, televised type you know issues in terms of racism and whatnot but you know mm-hmm. i think what doesn't get talked about as much is sort of you know sort of that that chain of kind of opportunities i mean we often hear i've had some really good conversations with mm-hmm. school folks um um at, uh, nicole hollins and and, mm-hmm. and may brobert in particular kind of sharing about you know um and 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 even most recently, Casey Depart, just about how, like, this stuff starts in kindergarten, like for or preschool, or like a essentially at birth for 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 a lot of folks in the Black community, um, that mm-hmm. you know that there are just automatically barriers because because they're systemic, they're built into the world, um, and yes. so and so, 
and you know and and you know i think we'll probably come back to that in a bit when when we when when we talk about how you know how you kind of want to change how people find aba and whatnot but it's uh so when i so when i hear new hampshire um uh <laughs> you know <laughs> uh you know it's not sort of you know i i, I do sort of think of, of new england i grew up in the east coast of canada in new brunswick which is you know uh, just borders maine and so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm well familiar with kind of you know that area of the world and and, and, you know, and, and, you know, that's maybe not the first place I'd think of, you know, um, uh, to, to, to find, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a black man getting an opportunity like this, um, you know, to, 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 to kind of jump into the field. So I'm curious sort of how, how that, that opportunity kind of came about for you. Absolutely. Um, that's a great question. And, I do want to. We'll dive into barriers definitely lately. Mm-hmm. So let's not let's not forget that. Absolutely. Um, I will say to you, if I just walked to uh, this school's front uh, front door and I and I and I knocked on, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I heard about you guys. I want to be an intern. Would you accept me?" I don't know if they would have. I'm just mm-hmm. being honest with you. Even yep. though they're great people that work there. Sure. Um, but um, I had the privilege of knowing um, somebody on the board there, and um, I had a privilege of having a coach's wife and an alumnus, alumnus person write me a letter of recommendation mm. um, to get to the school and be the first intern. Now, I mm. believe they have interns there all the time, and the school has mm. been around for a while. Awesome. But I had some opportunity and had people um, write me recommendations, and that's what helped me. And I, I do believe that without that, um, I would not have been at that 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 school and that school helped shape a lot of um, the analysts that I am today. So I'm, I'm mm. very grateful for that. But that opportunity was made because of people that I knew, um, not because of um, me just kind of going there on my own and, and, and doing that. Sure. Well, the reason I ask is um, because again, I, I sort of made an assumption kind of based on my own experience, kind of getting into the field. Um, I got into the field in kind of 2000. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't find ABA till you know, probably 10 years later, but um uh, when I got when I got started, I started working in a in a kind of a residential treatment center for uh, autistic kids and autistic teens uh, that you know all engage in sort of the most severe problem behavior in the province. They're referred from all over. Um, it was it was a mm-hmm. residential program and and so on. And um, and I didn't even know what autism was. I had I didn't even know the word. I had to Google what autism meant. Um, you know, I I had some education and working with youth, you know, I'd worked with sort of young offenders and whatnot when I was living in New Brunswick. Um, and that was the kind of work I was looking for when I moved out here, but I didn't have any luck kind of finding that. And so, uh, but I had worked in a group home for young offenders. So I was Googling group homes, um, you know, for jobs and found group mm-hmm. homes and for, for kids with autism. I was like, well, I don't know what autism is. I don't know why they need to be in group homes, but it's a group home. And I worked in group homes. So they're making a job doing that. And, uh, you know, this residential care facility was sort of like that. The reason I got the job was because it was interesting. I So I had applied um, and I got an interview um, and the guy that was doing the interview picked me up and drove me like 30 miles to the place where the interview was because he lived kind of where I was. And he just looked at me in the car and he said, you know, he said, you know, Ben, I don't even know why we're doing this interview. You're going to get the job. You know, I was like, I don't even know what autism is. He says, yeah, but Ben, you're six foot two and you're big and you're a man. Um, and so we're going to give you this job. 
Um, and uh, that's the only reason uh, because we need people that can physically, physically restrain kids and we need people that can take punches and so on and so forth. Now that's, mm -hmm. not, how, that's not how he worded it in the car. Cause he obviously that, that's, not a, that's not a great sales pitch, but, um, <laughs> uh, but that's essentially what he was looking for. So I just sort of assumed that that was maybe your experience as well as being, you know, as, you know, you know I, I, I can't really tell from, from the camera lens, but you told me you're a basketball player. So I can only assume you're, you're a bit taller than other folks and, um, yeah. and probably, and probably yes. a larger guy. So I was just sort of presumed that's why you got the job. Yes. And, uh, you know, it it wasn't, but, you know, that's something that we need to dive into, too, as we talk along is, you know, mm -hmm. even just men in our field in general, you know, uh, you know, there are certain biases that come into place or certain assumptions just because we are a man and yep. uh, roles that we have to take on or are often given. Um, but that, that needs to be dissected, too. Yeah, um, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Let's, let's, let's stop that. Look at that. Because, you know, I, I haven't had any of these kinds of conversations, so I'm really looking forward to it. But let, let's just talk a little bit about uh, about the, the purpose of, of kind of, of what, what we got here in the first place, and that's the, the Black Men and Behavior Analysis. So mm -hmm. you're, you're, the, you're the founder of this group. Um, yes. How, um, what, what, why did you form this group, and kind of when did you form this group? Yeah, so just a little uh, historical background. So mm. let's back up a little bit. Sure. Um, Starting all the way back to Ben, that internship that I did um, in New Hampshire, right? Demographics <laughs> are what they are. Yeah. However, still, as my journey is experienced, um, so I'm the, the only um, Black person in, uh, um, working at that at that facility, um, at that school. Hmm. Um, as I go through our grad school um, and all my classes, right, I'm, I'm a, usually the only Black person and definitely usually the only Black man, right? Hmm. So, um as I'm continuing, even as I'm accruing hours, right? My supervisors who are amazing, all right? Middle-aged white women, you know, who um, I can relate to in some aspects, in some aspects they, you know, we, we can relate to particularly culturally, right? Um, so I would go to, you know, conferences. I would go to workshops just as a student and I would obviously rarely see myself represented, all right? I moved when I moved to Atlanta. Um, I started working with uh, the pleasure of working with Dr. Njamu Nkosi, um, better known as Dr. AJ. Um, he's actually the keynote speaker at Baba this year. Shout out Dr. AJ. He's my nice. biggest mentor, my biggest mentor in his field. Um, hmm. He's a black man in this field, one of the first um, black men to hold a credential. He's published in many articles, Jabba. He's written um, the backs uh, behavior analytic conversation of schools. This guy is the co-founder of IBAO. I know you had yep. Mike on. Um, this guy does it all, and I, I had the pleasure of having him as as my mentor. And hmm. so, I really got to experience um, what it is to have that mentorship. Now, as I'm working with him, then I'm also providing supervision for um, a behavior technician at the time, right? Hmm. So he's accruing hours, and it's a this is obviously another black male in our field. So this is very rare. You have this. Basically, behavior technician, you have this, I've maybe been a BCBA for only about four or five years at that point, and you have a yeah. BCBAD, and we're all really just connecting, right? Um, we're empowering each other, you know, mm. um, providing mentorship. And I started to see at that point then, like, wow, this is really powerful, mm. you know, having us three here, having us represented. Um, and, I, and I really started having remnants there, uh, just thinking about, okay, this needs to happen more. Well, the big domino to fall was 2020. Okay, 2020 is when the BACB released the demographic info of um, candidates in our field. 
Yeah. Um, and that's when we when we found out in 2020 that at the time, less than 4% of, of all BCBAs were Black, right? You take that into account, 14% of the U.S. population is, is Black, right? Mm. Um, and, and, and furthermore, uh, less than 2% of, of all BCBAs are Black males. So um, if you don't have um, Black males and, and to see, you, you know, you don't have people to emulate and you don't have people to get mentorship from, and it, it becomes difficult mm. um, to connect, to, to develop. Now, Taking account, I know you know this, but our listeners, are, some of our listeners may not know that the BCBA credential has been out since, I believe, 1998. Yeah. Okay. So you talk about lack of awareness of these numbers, um, which leads to, to, to lack of connectivity, which leads to, to lack of networking, which leads to lack of support, which leads to, to lack of development within our community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, taking you on this historical journey, I want you to also, so now we're at the BAVA conference just last year. Right. Okay. So, Shout out to Baba quickly for those of you guys who have all of our listeners who have not been to the Baba conference. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend you get to the Baba conference. Yes. Um, there's um, the, the the community to, to see the stories, uh, hear people's journeys, the the energy. Um, it's just there is no other conference like it. So, mm. so shout out to all the things that Baba are doing. And we actually are a special interest group partnered with Baba. We're their first special interest group. Um, but even at the Baba conference, okay, Ben, um, there's less than five black men at the Baba conference. Wow. Campaign. So that kind of shows you now, I first, the first, I had the, the pleasure of listening to Dr. Richard Spades. Um, and he was the keynote speaker last year. He was the first black man keynote that I've ever listened to. And um, hmm. it was, it was amazing. But so Baba has all these different events that we do every year. Um, and one of them is a reception. It's, it's almost like a black tie event. We are, everybody gets dressed up. I mean, it's just amazing. And so, Hmm. We're all sitting there. We all have our little adult beverages. We're laughing. Hmm. We're having a good time. And I, you know, I walk up to the doctor's space, and I'm like, you know, why, you know, aren't there more black men in our field? Hmm. Like, what's what's going on? Where 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 is the disconnect? You know, me and him had an extensive conversation that night um, at the event, and you know, because I I had my little small group of colleagues that I would consult with, and we would kind of call ourselves essentially to be MBA, but it wasn't really BMBA yet. And he's like, hmm. you know, I would definitely be interested in you know, supporting something like that. So then I also, at that night, went over and walked to Adrian Bradley, who, mm. who at the time was the president of, mm. of BABA, and she's yeah. now the uh, partnership chair. Shout out yeah. to Adrian. She's doing amazing, amazing work. Um, and so I connected with her as well. And 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 that's when we really started to make this more um, of, a, of a global thing rather than just a few buddies that I would get to and we would, would say that. So that's really the the development um, behind BNBA and and how we got here today. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, um, and uh, yeah, hundred percent. Baba, get to the conference, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, an extra shout out to Adrian. I'm interviewing her in, on Saturday, so two days from now. So looking forward to that conversation. Um, okay, yeah. so that's a that's an awesome story and an awesome conversation. Five five. Five men at the conference. I mean, that that alone is something, you know, pretty surprising just considering, you know, what. Do you, do you think that that 2% number, because so it's, if approximately 3.9 or 3%, let's just say it's four for the sake of my brain today, um, that yeah. it's 4%, you know, uh, behavior analysts are black um, and less than 2% are. Uh, you know, our uh, behavior analysts are black men, you know, I mean, 
obviously the the, the 4% and 2% are, are ridiculously low compared to sort of the percentage of you know black folks in the population uh but if we're just sort of yes. looking at sort of the demographics of of men and women in in general in the field um you know um it's something like you know 90% women and 10% men give or take um um i think if you look at if you look at let's say, all all the 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 all the all three levels of credentialing i think it's 92% women and eight percent men but if it's bcbas mm-hmm. then it's more like 88 12 or something anyway so mm-hmm. it's just an interesting sort of not that many men you know comparatively in in sort of the, the big number but if we're looking at just the black population of behavior analysts it's it, it's a little less than half it sounds like is that number first do you think that number is accurate like is it less do you think like it seems like it, it would be a lot less I, than that you know <laughs> You know, it's a it's a generous number, and it's yeah. probably a little bit less than one percent. Um, yeah. The stat that we put out on our Instagram, which got a a lot of traction, was when I put in less than two percent of all black male BCBAs um, are are um, black males in our in our field. So I got a lot of people in my inbox saying, "Jerome, we're looking at these numbers, and it's probably less than one yeah. percent." Which is yeah. probably, and I've gone back and looked at, it, and it's probably less than one percent because you think about it, the number of women compared to the number of men in general, mm-hmm. and so then if you do that math of okay that many women, that many men, it's probably a little less than 1%. So it's a yeah. really, really small number. They call us unicorns right now. And I'm, 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 I'm destined to change that as well. I, yeah. I think it's a, a term of a compliment, but uh, you know, we, we are, we need representation. Um, and that's one of the biggest things or the reason why a group like this is needed. Um, we need representation and we don't have that representation um, right now, you know, mm-hmm. questions to think about is, you know, why, don't we have more black men in, in our field as as authors, as presenters, as mm-hmm. keynote speakers, as academic professors, as as ownership of agencies, even in BACB leadership? If we want to talk about that, you know, why 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 isn't why don't we have that? Um, so that's why some of the reasons why a, a group like this is is definitely necessary. Um, and I had the pleasure um, of having mentorship from um, a, a, a prominent black man in this field, um, but. I can't tell you how many people been have reached out to me already and have said I've been waiting for a group like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our first initial um, sort of um, meeting that we had, we were kind of introducing everybody into what we're doing. It was the first time that a lot of black men in that uh, meeting were meeting another black man in the field for the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was crazy yeah. how many people were, were so appreciative. And um, even as a black man in this field, you may sometimes feel lost or alone. I mean, you can just think about that because of the numbers. Um, and you may have questions and to colleagues, and you may feel like you are destined to have a greater impact, right, mm. uh, on your company or, or organization. And um, but you just don't really know what moves to make. You don't have yeah. mentors. You don't have a brotherhood. You don't have a network or connectivity. Um, so you know that's why uh, a group like this is necessary. Awesome. I want to just talk a little bit about. Some of the biases I talked about at the beginning that I that I had when I kind of first heard about this, because I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's important to address because I'm sure there's other folks like myself that have the same ones. And and these are 100 percent biases. And I've learned now that, you know, you know, um, I've learned a lot sort of <laughs> just mm-hmm. since we since we talked last and uh, since and since I've and since I've talked to others. So the biases I have and 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 this is this is this was this is sort of what makes sort of you know, kind of sort of general kind of DEI work difficult 
um, um, and 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 nuance. I think nuance is a very is, is is a really important word. You know, it's 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 been you know sort of generally in the world of of work, you know, of just employment. When we talk about mm-hmm. equity, we're you know, men in general do better than women, you know, are, are getting paid more than women or, you know, uh, you know, get more, more sort of, you know, promotions and more executive roles and whatnot. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you know, thus, you know, the, the important, you know, the, the feminist movement and, 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 you know, these, these, these really important conversations, um, you know, uh, to, to kind of get more equity there. Uh, I've done a couple interviews kind of related to that in our field as well. Around mm-hmm. sort of the the pay equity gaps, um, you know, um, between men and women, and and really interesting in our field that you know, in a field that's you know, uh, dominated numbers wise by women, the leadership positions are dominant are still dominated by men, you know. So whether yep. we you know whether we look at the BACB, whether we look at academics in general, you know, um, you know, I think I think. I had a really interesting conversation with Anita Lee around sort of, you know, the different levels of kind of professorship. And, you know, you might see a lot of women sort of in assistant professor roles, but the men are the ones that are in the full professor roles or the tenured Mm -hmm. roles or whatnot. You know, the women are the ones that seem to be doing all the extra kind of volunteer work and having to do, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, you know, folks that aren't academics don't realize don't come with the job, you know, that 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 are essentially kind of volunteer jobs that aren't paid for. And it tends to be kind of the women doing those sorts of things. And so there's there's a lot of those gaps. And so Mm -hmm. with all that in mind, you know, um, and even with me doing interviews on this podcast, like I've tried to you know, not that I'm not ever going to interview a white man, um, and I've had some on, um, mm-hmm. but I know that those folks have a platform already and have lots of ways to sort of get their word out. And a big sort of sort of mission of my podcast has been to get the word out for folks, you know, that don't have a platform, number one, but also folks that are just have, there's a lot of folks that don't have a platform that have really cool stories. And so that, that's kind of where I select people. And so, you know, and that sort of led me to dive more into the black community. I've had a lot of, you know, well, not a lot, but I think in that, maybe 10 or 11 or 12 black guests on now. Only mm-hmm. one of them was a man, um, you know, and that, and, you know, that was Wes Lowry, episode 19. And uh, oh, shout out to Wes. Yeah, Wes. yeah, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> it was an awesome conversation. But mm-hmm. I really think I saw men out there. I saw a few men out there that were doing work. But my bias said, no, no, I've got to, I've just got to look for black women because women need a platform, not men. Black men mm. don't need a platform. It's just black women that need a platform. That was sort of my mental kind of narrative. And so I'm going to find, mm-hmm. you know, more black women and, 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 you know, and uplift those voices because the men, they'll be fine because, because yes. they're men <laughs> and men have the power in our field. Um, but that ain't the case when it comes to mm-hmm. black men. Um, and, and, and the problem isn't that we need less men in the field. Women aren't looking, the women of our field aren't looking to keep men out of the field. The women of our field, I think one thing they're looking for is to have the same opportunities to get leadership positions and be in leadership roles and have, have a voice at the table. Um, Mm -hmm. because there's, there seems to be essentially a lot of white men who have that voice at the table. Uh, but it sounds like just even from sort of the story here, 
the you know the fella and again you know say his name again the fella who was your mentor for, that that worked with Mike Mueller uh, Doctor yeah Doctor Njamu and Kosi yeah yes. yeah he's he seems he's probably like a rarity when it comes to sort of um, you know uh, black men in leadership positions I mean the only other black man that I can think of I mean, you mentioned. Richard Spates, I did not know that name sort of prior to Baba, was uh, was uh, a fellow Brian Boyd um, um, down in mm-hmm. Kansas. He was another name that I saw that was kind of, he was kind of high up in in um, in some of the Kansas stuff. But that was it. And and, yes. and so it's, it's, it's a real shift for my brain to go, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, and it, you know, for, for lack of a better terms, it's not, it's not black and white in terms of sort of, um, you know, mm-hmm. men and women, you know, in, in this context, as soon as you add, as soon as you add sort of, you know, some of these other identities, it's it's just a completely different conversation. And we have to sort mm-hmm. of change kind of how we're looking at these things. So I guess I think I know what I think I know why now, but um, um, the question I guess I have just more more so that folks can kind of understand this and, and we can kind of elaborate on it. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we need a special group for black men? And 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 I feel like I'm on an SNL skit right now saying the second line and 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 and, and, and you know Michael Che has just written this line for Colin Jost to read just so he can make him laugh. <laughs> um, uh, but um is when we don't why don't we then need a group for white men in behavior analysis? There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human Expressions gives black and brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At Human Expressions, the benefits of representation for black and brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes, and increased validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H-U-E-M-A-N, expressions.org. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is representation. Man, that's a that's a fantastic question. I think I, everybody wants to know the answer to that. Yeah. So um, there's several groups that include black men, right? There's several groups that include, there are none specifically for, for black men in the field of uh, ABA. Mm. Um, if you even look at Baba's e-board and advisory board, they're made up of, of mostly black women. And, and mm-hmm. given the, we just talked about those numbers, right? So given the disproportionate number of, of black men in, in ABA, um, a group like BNBA is going to serve to, to as a special interest group to network those professionals, right? Provide um, professional development, mentorship, mm. and improved service delivery. But number one reason is representation, mm. okay? Mm. Representation. It is my belief firmly that the lack of representation of, of the Black man in our field only further deters other Black men from pursuing careers, and it also makes treating diverse populations very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lack of black men's voices can can result um, in, in important cultural variables being missed, you know, assessments, treatment outcomes. You look at the people that we do serve, you know, we serve a lot of uh, individuals in our community, but we don't have a lot of black men. All right. So mm-hmm. um, representation is important. 
right? And um, when you look at that and you, you don't have anybody that looks like you, you know, and you don't have anybody that you can call, we talk about that meeting and that's the first time. Now, I'm sure if I ask um, even another white male in our field, right? Have you ever met another white male BCBA? Yeah. Yeah, of course I have. I have. When you're looking at somebody and you haven't even met a person that looked like you that you can network and communicate and look up to, that's a that's an issue, right? Mm-hmm. So um, having more of those black men in our field to promote, not only promote diversity, but so consumers can have more people that look like us and sound like us, just on a more personal level. Ben, mm-hmm. I go to, a, I have a lot of um, consumers and clients that I work with, and I have parents come to me all the time, and they've had exper- other experiences. And even to have somebody who understands those different cultural variables, particularly a black man, they they really um, uh, value, they really value that and you being able to, to connect with them. So also more care for our, our black populations in our community. Um, this ensure that um, having black men who consumers can identify with, can communicate with, um, better serve their individual needs, right? So um, all of these things are things to take into consideration. Um, you know, not only representation, I was, we have a private Facebook group um, mm. uh, for BNBA, but not only representation, we would talk about this, but also inclusion is needed because representation without inclusion is ineffective, right? Mm. So given a platform and a voice um, to talk about our special um, uh, journeys and our needs. So um, that representation is important because if you don't have representation of Black men, it forms um, communication breakdowns. It could be language barriers, differences in culture norms, differences in philosophy. Um, so it matters, um, as, as well as um, things like uh, role models. Again, I had the pleasure of having a, a role model and mentor, but mentorship plays a critical role. Having another person, it's important for other Black men in our field to, to have role models um, that they can look up to, they can emulate throughout their career, um, there's so much value in, in, in having um, a person in your own community that, that with useful experience and, and skills mm. and, and expertise um, who can offer advice, um, information, and guidance to, to help um, fur- further you professionally and, and personally. So um, that's what we're looking to do. And, um, mm. you know, we, um, we're, we're looking to increase our presence within the field. And that's mm-hmm. why a group like this is necessary, because if you look at from 1998 and we're here in 2023 and we still have those numbers. Well, it's like, that's why a group like this is necessary. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the, the less representation of, of the black men we have in ABA, the harder it's going to be to foster it in the future and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are just some bullet points that I would, that I would have for our listeners and why a, a group such as this is, is needed. Mm-hmm. And just, just to clarify for the audience, we do not need a similar group for white men. Um, uh, that will not be a helpful thing, I do not think. Um, at least well, uh, the, the thing about it is we we, we kind of have those already. Yeah, um, it may not be specifically, but they're very inclusive, right? Yes. Um, and yeah, you have people that you can look up to and network and talk to and, and have that privilege already. Exactly. You have leadership leadership positions, right? Already like that. So right, yeah. So the the, the purpose of having this group is sort of to create a culture and create these kind of community of practice where you know these things are accessible to sort of any any black man that wants to get into the field. Um, where right now, you know, men who look like myself don't need don't need that extra support to get access to those things there or to or to get through those through those kinds of barriers. And speaking of barriers, so I'm curious why we th- what 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 what's keeping 
Well, I think it's sort of a two-level question. I think you can kind of speak for the men here, but I think you can also mm-hmm. talk about the, the the women experience as well. Here is is you know, why are these numbers so low? Like, what are the barriers to kind of getting in this field? Because I, I know that there are definitely you know um, um, certainly a, a, a lot of you know people that look like you that are looking for these services. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so why, why aren't there, you know, what, 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 what's, what's keeping, keeping, keeping these numbers so low? Yes. Yeah. There, there are a lot of barriers. Um, um, I think lack of representation, which mm-hmm. I just spoke to you about. Yeah. Uh, are you a BCBA supervisor looking to streamline your practice, or maybe you're working towards your BCBA and need to find the right supervisor? Homehouse offers tools that make supervision so much more enjoyable for both supervisor and supervisee. For supervisors, they offer easy meeting documentation, competency tracking, monthly verification forms, a built-in supervision curriculum, and so much more. For supervisees, Homehouse has a fieldwork tracker with built-in auditing, monthly verification forms, a curriculum, quizzes, and more. If you're looking for a supervisor, they even have a supervision marketplace where you can connect with BCBAs until you find your perfect match. Kind of like professional dating. For more information, go to whomhouse.com forward slash speak or search whomhouse on Google. The second secret word is an acronym, H-B-C-U. Lack of mentorship and, and supervision. Mm. Um I think a huge one is lack lack of access to educational programs and resources, right? Mm. So the quality the quality of education, the access to supervision, the access to funding to students within our field. Mm. Um, um, we just uh, launched um, our uh, the first HBCU school to have an ABA program, FAMU right. out in Tallahassee, the first one, right? So you look at these lack of access to educational programs and resources. These are huge barriers, mm-hmm. huge barriers. And, you know, um, and that that mentorship and supervision piece is also huge. You look at just the numbers in general in our field of how fast we're growing, um, how mm-hmm. many uh, even just BCBs in general that we're putting up. But um, the supervision piece um, is the quality of supervision is also an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think one of those biggest barriers is that, that woman I talked to about the education programs and, and mm-hmm. resources, the, the quality of education and, and access to, to supervision and, and funds is, is a huge one, you know, mm-hmm. um, particularly students within our field. Mm-hmm. A couple questions around that. So you touched on uh, the, the, the new program starting up at, at FAMU, um, um, uh, in Florida there, um, What? Why? And again, I think for, for some listeners, this is going to be obvious, but for others, I think this is important. I, I've only recently, you know, learned about sort of the the whole concept of HBCUs, um, and um, you know, and for, to be honest, for a while, I thought HBCU was a particular university um, and, <laughs> uh, somewhere that I, you know, some sort of you know magic place. I had, I didn't know, and I didn't know where it was. Um, uh, I had a really good conversation uh, the other day with um, 
Celeste Malone. She's a, a school president of the National Association of School Psychologists, and she was talking a lot about because she's also a, a professor at, 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 at one of these uh, uh, HBCUs. Uh, which I think for school psych, there's actually only there's, she said there's only two programs. Uh, two mm-hmm. schools that have this that have a have sort of a, a, a school psychology program. Um, so a couple questions. I, I mean, I understand sort of you know service level here, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here. But I understand you know HBCUs are are you know basically you know um, kind of one of the only ways that you know black people can get really opportunities to kind of, you know, um, you know, have, have careers and have jobs in, mm-hmm. in, in fields that are, that are, that, 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 that are dominated by, you know, uh, you know, non-black folks. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're also, you know, um, and, and I had a really good chat with Adrian um, sort of before the interview about, she was talking about um, sort of locations for the Baba conference and, mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, how intentional the, the, the executive and the board is around selecting those locations um, based on, you know, what areas are good, what cities are going to be safe you know, for the attendees, for the, you know, mm-hmm. so when, so when, so when, when, when black members leave the conference to go to our restaurant or go to the store or to just go for a walk, you know, they're, they want to be in communities where that's a safe thing for, for folks to do. And if they're not going to immediately sort of, you know, be dealing with a lot of, you know, a lot of the problems we hear about. Um, and so, and, 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 and so similarly, I understand that, you know, HBCUs are a safe place to, you know, a safe space yes. to 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 be yourselves, you know, to to you know, um, I've I've heard about things like code switching and whatnot. So, so you know, where you don't have to do any of that stuff, where you can just you know be your authentic human being selves in in the way you want to be and feel safe mm-hmm. doing that with your professors, with each other, you know, with campus security, with whoever. Yes. Um, um, you know, this is a place where, you know, and, and and feeling safe going to, I mean, as we look at sort of, you know, the hierarchy of needs, you know, you know, feeling safe is is, is pretty low on, on, on the pole there um, to be mm-hmm. able to sort of, you know, continue to be motivated to stay in school and finish school and, and so on and so forth and have more opportunities. So, um, I might be answering my question as I ask it, but, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, um, is, 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 like, how important is this that you're, that, that, that this is happening in an HBCU, that there's going to be a school and how, how will that, how do you think that's going to affect things and change things for sort of black folks in our field? Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, so I, when I, I so I told you I so I grew up in the South. I'm actually from Alabama, right? And right. I told you that I I went to University of New Hampshire, which is a, a predominantly white institution. Mm. Um, when you think about HBCUs, um, it dates all the way back to the to 19th century, mm. right? So in, in the wake of emancipation, many Black Americans founded HBCUs to educate Black students, right? And during the segregation era, that was um, those schools were some of the only pathways to uh, college degrees for Black students. Right. So um, now now today, obviously, um, I think black students make up maybe a quarter of 
enrollment of HBCUs. Um, but the reason why something like that is important because you look at an HBCU school, right? Um, it's an inclusive environment, you know, it allows you access to certain things that you may not have at other institutions. So something like having access to an ABA program is huge. It's huge because if you think about a lot of our um, individuals in our community who are going through those schools, right? I mean, just think about how many HBCUs there are. I think, I want to say, don't quote me, maybe 101 spread out right and you're going through all these schools and, and you have one so far right now that's going to give you access to a program like that and then you want to be in that inclusive environment and how important that is that you have that mm. and hopefully that that sets the stage for more hbcus to have programs like that um but you you hit some really good points when you talk about not having the code switch and um tone policing uh, that's something that i talk about a lot you don't have to go, mm. go in that having that safe space so being able to go through that environment while also accessing that curriculum is essential mm, mm, mm. yeah um something you mentioned earlier was um you know we're talking about you know the interesting stories of how people get into the field uh you know mm -hmm. you know no no nobody no 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 six-year-olds aren't walking down the street they're they're walking down the street i want to be a garbage man a policeman or a doctor you know they don't want to be I, no one wants to be a behavior analyst you know um you know i'm certain <laughs> i'm certain and and even if it's not the right kind of behavior analyst i don't like i don't think six-year-olds are watching criminal minds either you know so you know i've been <laughs> wanting to be forensic behavior analysts like no one's thinking behavior analysis you know, as a role, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, and certainly I think, you know, part of it, or even even just working with, you know, not not that ABA is just for folks with autism and other developmental disabilities, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big part of it. But, you know, kids aren't thinking about that, weren't thinking about that either. And certainly not in my day, because, you know, include there was no there was no kind of inclusion going on, you know, when I was a kid. And so, you know, these they, they, you, you never saw these kids, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, you know, and so why would you want to grow up and help them in, unless you had a family member that might be sort of your only sort of, you know, long, long life trajectory towards maybe working in that field is if you had a family member who was autistic, or, you know, maybe nowadays, um, you know, you have a family member who's actually a behavior analyst, you know, um, and, there you they talk, go. And, and they talk about it at the dinner table. Um, uh, but I think still that's, that's, that's limiting, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I didn't, my, my parents were behavior analysts and, um, and uh, so, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have the exposure to the field till, you know, I was in my in my 20s, you know, mm -hmm. um, and really, I didn't really have my exposure to the BCBA role till I was in, in my 30s. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, we do hear a lot of sort of weird kind of stories about how people just kind of, it just kind of falls on their lap, whether it's through, you know, recommendations from a friend or, you know, you just look like a person that would work really well with kids or, um, you know, or, you know, and, and then the odd, and it's even weirder in the States than it is sort of other countries, because in the States you can, you can get into a bachelor's program, not have a clue what you want to do, but it happens to be in a university that has a long-standing ABA program you could get exposed to it through that way and kind of move up mm -hmm. the ranks and never even work in like you know work with a child and you're just you know I, I, I've never it, 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 it confuses me to, to no end that people can 
go to school and progress all the way to a PhD without ever ever working in a clinic or anything like that. Yes. Unless of course the university has its own clinic or something. So it's just a really sort Mm -hmm. of some strange kind of trajectories. And and you said you kind of have a mission of kind of changing how people find ABA and how that works. What what are you thinking about there? Like, I don't even know how you'd go about doing that. (laughs) Yes. Another wonderful question. So, you know, you look at the technology we have, and this is the science of human behavior. I think one thing that our field, you know, can definitely improve upon and in, in just in general, you know, you think of ABA, you think about uh, particularly autism, and we have this technology to improve the quality of lives of in all. That's why when I spoke about earlier with me just literally teaching my dog certain things, right, yeah. or um, looking at, new, you know, nutrition and health and sports and all these different areas of life, you know, actually one of the things that I love about ABA is just the self, the self-management part. I taught myself so much just in ABA in terms of how to manage my own environment. Hmm. But um, I digress there. I want to be in a place where, and, and that's why group where BNBA comes in, I want to help recruit and help expose. So that's one of the things that we look at. Having a group where you, you can't, you don't know something's possible until you see it, hmm. right? So let's say, let's say for instance, uh, FAMU, right? Um, and they have their program, right? And you and you have a group of uh, men, particularly black men. We come and we're recruiting you, right? It's it's gonna allow you to cast a a wider net to attract um, people. It's, you have a bigger higher prep, prep, um, proposition if you go and you can actually start to talk to people about our beautiful science, what it looks like, the career opportunity, just like they do with other jobs and other places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we don't really do that. We don't really do that. People just no. call in. Well, how would it be if you had somebody who, let's say I had a, a, a pamphlet of what ABA is, but I'm talking to you from an early age, letting you know the benefits. You know, so many people do love to serve. So many people do love the other things. They just don't know about it. Mm. So if you're not exposed to something, you're not going to know anything about it. So my vision and one of my business of, of BNBA is to be able to go to different colleges, go to different places, give talks on what we do, how it is that we do mm-hmm. it to attract more people into our field, particularly black men into our field and our, so that we can help our community. So that's that's what I would love to change. Um, and hopefully when we're talking down the line, we will see that change because that yeah. is what I'm putting out there. It's like, why don't, why don't, why can I have somebody come and talk to me, come about, you know, talk to me about what ABA is, what we can do um, and how we can apply that science much, uh, cast that net further than autism. I mean, like I said, it amazes me how we have this technology of, of, of human behavior, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's so many areas that we can either apply it to um, more frequently. So that's mm-hmm. that's my vision. Mm-hmm. That's my vision. That's awesome. I'm curious about, uh, you know, we talked, we touched a bit on sort of, you know, becoming a BCBA and sort of, you know, and, and the barriers around sort of, you know, funding to get in university and so on and so forth and, and all, all really important topics. Um, but there, there, there's also sort of, I mean, I think a lot of folks find the field, you know, uh, even before that. So, you know, um, you, you can be an RBT, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, um, you know, I don't think there's, I think sort of, you know, it's probably, I, I don't know what it's like in the States. It probably depends on the state or whatnot. But I, I imagine mm-hmm. probably the only sort of requirement beyond taking that 40-hour course is, is maybe an age, you know, and maybe you have to be 18 or 19 sort of just to work with vulnerable children or something like that, you know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. It would, but beyond that, there, there really isn't any, 
you know, other kind of barriers, quote unquote, to sort of getting into that field. I mean, like I said, the RPT course, um, you know, there's some places offer it for free. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, so, you know, it, it's all available there. Um, are, are there, I'm not sure exactly what the question is, but are there, well, number one, do, do, do you know if there's a, a sort of a lot of, a lot of, are there, are there other barriers for 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 black folks um, to to just get in that entry level role and, and the entry level piece? I mean, I I know part of it's probably going to be related to maybe it's not related to getting in. Maybe it's it's retention because it's because it's about supervision and mentorship and all those other things that are lacking that you mm-hmm. already said exist. Um, but yes. I gotta think. I gotta think. You know. Um, where are the, you know, where, where are the black men that were in my position when I got into the field, you know, that were, mm-hmm. you know, large men, you know, that, um, you know, you know, could, could handle children, because that's often mm-hmm. what some sort of folks are still looking for. Is it not, is it a different experience for, for, for sort of young folks that are sort of in pre-college and, and are there different kinds of barriers that, that I'm, I'm just not thinking of? Yeah, so um, and you're you're right. It does depend on your, your state. I do believe there are actually still some states that you don't have to have the RBT credential um, mm. actually to 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 work. Um, if you're talking about our field in general, mm. even just uh, out outside of of autism, first of all, I think that can be a barrier. By the way, um, that um, people. Um, they hear ABA and, and that's what they think of. Matter of fact, they hear mm-hmm. ABA and they think of discrete trial instruction, yes. right? And um, they may not be educated into the what other things that we that you potentially could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you hit on a really big point about retention, which is which is huge. That is a huge mm-hmm. thing. When people may come into our field and they get turned off really yeah. quickly, but um, because of burnout, because of yeah. lack of resources, supervision, all that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of um, barriers of getting into the in the field, you know, I think you have to look at things about you know access access to being able to even do the job, do the work, mm-hmm. right? So, um, if you are an R, uh, one aspiring RBT, you know, um, and and like you said, there are places that do give these uh, your forty hour courses for free. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a new thing, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's not super hard to obtain that credential. I, I, I do think the bigger problem we have, particularly at that level, um, is being able to keep um, people into the field. Hmm. Um, that's an issue for us right now. That's a that's an issue that we all need to continue to bring attention to, um, because why you know why do we have so much turnover in the, in our field as hmm. well? Um, I would say that's a barrier to progressing to getting to people at the level of the, the BCBA credential, because mm. if we're moving up the ranks and you're so turned off that you don't want to stay into the field, yeah. that's a barrier to being able to put out um, more um, more behavior analysts, right? So that's an issue as well. Yeah. Um, so that's just something to think about. That's something to think about. But you do you you would think, though, that you would have more, like you said, uh, uh, the bins of the world who are, you know, um, just looking. Hey, you're almost like a, they bring you out as, as a bouncer, like you yes, as a bouncer at the club. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you slowly learn the science, um, which I I still see that from time to time. Yeah. Um, it, was, it still does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, and, and I think I really did answer my own question. And you know, I, again, in, in the interview I did with uh, Dr. Malone on, on school psychology. Um, we were talking about. So I had a conversation with a a, a white colleague and about um, 
you know, uh, it was more about school psychology actually. And, and, and we, and we were talking about, I was talking about the 4% number again. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and that, you know, there's just, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, black school psychologists and, and, and Mike, the colleague was an educational professional, not a BCBA and was, and was telling me that, you know, was asked me sort of, well, you know, well, well, are they applying? You know, was the question she asked, first question we mm-hmm. asked, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, and, and I was like, it's not that simple. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 so then, but so I brought that conversation up. You know, I didn't have a good answer for 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 the colleague, and I knew that I knew that she was speaking from a place of uh, of, of bias as well, and um, and 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 really and, and ignorance, and really didn't know what was kind of going on. And so I, I I posed that question to Dr. Malone, and she said, you know, it's not about it's not just about recruiting um, and and hiring. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know we have like we have these programs, and and we have you know, black school psychologists that are, that are, are coming into the field and coming into these schools. The the problem is retention. The problem is the systems, you know, yes. aren't made, aren't made you know, because they come in and like, they're, they're, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like you and, and drawn in, 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 the, in, the, in New Hampshire, where they're the only black professional coming into that school. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of bias. There's a lot of problems mm-hmm. in the school. There's racism. There's a lot of systemic issues. Um, they often end up getting, you know, sort of, you know, all the kids that are struggling, um, yes. you know, who, who often, you know, also tend to be black kids because of the system again, you know, and, you know, and because of, you know, things like selection and, and recruitment and AP stuff. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I learned a lot from her about sort of the struggles the black community goes through in the school system. I mean, I learned a lot from Nicole and, and and May as well, but just kind of hearing it from a school psych perspective and sort of the more, the larger systemic perspective, it is, it is, it's crazy. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and so to see sort of, you know, and I, and I even look at sort of the first episode, the very first episode I did in the podcast with, with Danielle Reed and, um, she was the only black professional in, in her school. She was the only black professional, you know, working in this, in this, in this uh, ABA sort of, you know, clinic setting and, you know, the knowledge and the supports just weren't in place, you know, mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, encourage folks to grow and encourage folks to feel safe and to have all these, to have all these things, which are go back to our original question of why Baba, why BMBA, um, why have these organizations? And it's because, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, it's it, there's not just one thing. There's not just one simple thing that we can fix. Oh, let's just hire more, you know, or let's just mm-hmm. do this more. You know, there there are, you know, it, it's it's about dealing with all these different pieces. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not even a question there. It's just 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 yeah, a lot no. of stuff I kind of learned. Yeah. Yes, but you're right. You know, it's not just one one piece there. Um, and when you talk about those stories of individuals who I talked about representation, right? When 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 you don't see anybody else doing it and you don't feel like you have a support system in place, it makes it really hard to mm-hmm. want to stay, stay in a field, stay in an area when you don't have that 
And that's why you, it brings you right back to, you know, a Bible or a BNBA because being yeah. able to have a support, a community, be empowered and then disseminate even more and yeah. say, hey, we do have this support in place. That's going to help you grow. That's going to help people feel valued, feel supported, um, less burnout is going to happen. Some of this stuff can take care of itself when we do things like this, because there are a lot of bullet points that you can to to, to look at. So, mm-hmm. um, but the point about our retention is, is, I mean, I see it all the time. Right? Yeah. I see it all the time where we're put in positions, but we, we, we can't really maintain because there's no systemic um, supports in place to, to help particularly marginalized populations as well. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about going back to sort of, your experience when you had your first meeting uh, with the BMBA, um, and 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 kind of what that was like for number number one, how many how many how many folks did you have show up? Because I mean, you you went to the Baba conference and you, there was five other black men and and mm-hmm. um, and that that alone might have felt like you know a big group for you because you know because it was there were probably five men coming from all different parts of the country um, um, uh, coming together. Um, and for the first time, just sort of, you know, looking at each other and going, hey, 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 <laughs> you know, I tell you, I, I tell you what I have. I have a couple of videos on this on our Instagrams, yeah. uh, Black Men and ABA. But yeah. as, as a matter of fact, we just posted the so I just got back from APBA I think, mm. uh, a few days ago and we posted a picture. Uh, we had two um, presenters um, at the APBA conference, Black Male BCBAs. One is Dr. Bruce Tenor, who's actually mm. the vice president of BNBA. Mm. Um, and one is the Terrence Allen. And we took this picture of all four of us black BCBA, which I'm not sure if a picture like this has been taken before. Mm. Um, but it was a monumental picture of us yep. just four being there, um, supporting each other like that. And at some points like Baba, that's how many we had. So we had four last year mm. at Baba, less than five, four. Yeah. So when we had our first informational meeting, I don't know, maybe in a hundred people that showed up. Uh, a lot of it was um People wanted to know more information. So our first information meeting, everybody was there. We had people from di- different backgrounds, different ethnicity, just wanted to know mm-hmm. more about the group. Um, but most of the, the participants were Black men in our field, um, RBTs, BCABAs, BCBAs. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody was just curious. But just to see everybody's face and um, mm-hmm. hear everybody's stories about, man, first of all, a group like this is getting started, how much is needed, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and how they felt like a lot of these people felt like not being able to have somebody represented and, and to talk to and to to converse with and to empower in the network has been a barrier for them and how they struggled. Um, so many people in the DM, so many people in that message saying how they have struggled, but of not having that um, and how this is uh, can bring so much value to their development. Mm-hmm. So that that first informational meeting was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. we we are still in the process of finalizing our executive board. Um, and once we fill out our executive board, then we will start to accept members and, you know, put out what members can, um, what, what, what they were receiving from the group. So that look out for that soon. But that meeting was great because, you know, people were just very curious, like, what's BNBA? Like, what is this? But but people mm. knew it was necessary. And I think now that people are starting to really talk about it and think about it, you see why it's necessary. And I love uh, all the allies that we have had already, mm. you know, just in a group like this. People want to learn more. Yeah. People want to start asking the tough questions. How can I support? How can I help? You know, how can I be here? Who is this group for? Like, can I be mm-hmm. in this group to support you guys? And the answer is yes. Um, when we, we, you know, we welcome um, allies and, and, and advocates for um, mm. our, our group and in our community. Um, and Bob will obviously t- tell you the same thing. So. Um, it's just very exciting times, you know, with this. And, you know, I hope that 
people are also, you know, just starting to see, you know, just how necessary a group like this is needed. So it's been great. Mm, awesome. Uh, curious, as we kind of get closer to wrapping up here, what are, what are maybe some of the some of the plans for the future? Uh, and in, in particular, do you, do, you, do you guys have anything in special planned for this year's Bible conference? Zigzag is an autism therapy management platform. At its core, Zigzag seamlessly allows management of programs, adding, editing, changing long-term and short-term objectives on the go. Zigzag makes data collection super easy for therapists on-site and automatically calculates progress, providing you with session summaries and graphs in real time. Zigzag provides you the ability to manage all of your clients, whether they be center or home-based, and work with all the various therapists and parents seamlessly. Zigzag is based in Vancouver, British Columbia, and is fully compliant with both federal and provincial privacy requirements. Book a demo now at www.zigzagkid.com forward slash product demo and get a free 30-day trial. The third secret word is membership. Uh, yes. So our first in-person meetup for VMBA is going to be at the Baba Conference. Mm. Um, I am planning that right now. Nice. Um, if this gets put out before the Baba Conference, this is a spoiler, but it's okay. We're going to launch it here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our first meetup is going to be at the Baba Conference for, for VMBA. Um, yep. And we've been talking about that on our, on our private Facebook group. And be on the lookout because soon we will be launching um, our membership and what all that's going to entail and all the benefits that's going to come with. Um, we will start to have two annual meetings, one at Baba, um, one outside of Baba, where we just kind of all meet up together, you know, different mentorship opportunities, different newsletters, different supervision, um, different um, connection opportunities, different CEU opportunities. So it's going to be a lot of things that we're putting out. So, so nice. be on the lookout for it. I'm very excited about it. Very excited about it. And I presume, you know, you know, since, since, the, the representation is few and far between you, you, you guys will be totally open to folks from from outside the u.s as well oh absolutely absolutely this is this is an international thing yeah. um so you know we we welcome we welcome any and all right on right on wow well excited to see some of this stuff coming up and uh uh, you and I can talk after about when you want me to release this because I'm happy to sort of coordinate things to to help get the word out for you as well. Um, yes. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, um, this is really exciting. I, I'm I'm really keen to yeah. see kind of kind of how this all develops. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Really cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me, Ben. I just want to give you a shout out. I think I gave it to you off air when we were talking mm. um, and when we opened up. But I just want to reiterate, you know, um, having people like you um, to to really provide a platform to give a voice um, mm. to individuals who may not have anywhere elsewhere to, you know, have a voice in other places and all the work that you're doing. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. We need people like you. Um, and so keep doing the work that you're doing and I'm putting out for you that you're going to be at the Bible conference. I feel like this is a Bible promo, but yes. it kind of is. So, it should um, be. I'm it should be. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm putting it out there for you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you, brother. Well, I really. love that. I appreciate that too. And I hope we get to meet in person. Right on. Right on. Cheers, man.